We began last week a new study, The Joy of Knowing. So would you turn to uh, the Epistle of 1 John. Epistle of 1 John is in the New Testament, almost, almost all the way to the end. 1 John. And we're going to read the first four verses of the first chapter of 1 John. This is a letter that John has written to uh, believers and... Um, probably toward the latter part of the first century. He's writing this. And so would you follow along as I read aloud, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump into what John has for us today. He begins, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, so that we have seen and heard, we have proclaimed to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, so that our joy may be made complete. Let's bow and ask God's help this morning. Gracious God, we are here today by your divine appointment. We thank you that you have brought us here today. And Lord, what you have to say is much more important than what I have to say. So I pray that you would superintend my words. Let that which detracts from your word fall away. May we remember your word. May it resonate with great power and strength in our hearts. Thank you for who you are, for the work that you have done through Christ. And thank you that we can be the recipients of that work. May you be blessed and glorified. May our hearts be open to your word. Work by the Holy Spirit that we understand and apply. For it's in Christ that I pray. Amen. Well, it's uh, kind of hard these days not to be impacted by the news. We have several among our, uh, our body here who work in the news industry. And uh, they get up and uh, labor early in the morning or late at night, and they provide news for us or some part of that news for us. And it's interesting because... Um, we love to know what's going on, don't we? In fact, now it's not just TV, it's our handheld devices. We, we pick up the news, we go to Twitter and see what's, you know, hopefully the news is giving us true. And um, it's not always easy to present the news. I don't know if you know that, uh, but it, it does, uh, it's kind of hard. Um, and we don't, they don't always get it right. Now, our folks here always get it right, I'm sure. But I, uh, you may have seen this uh, a number of years back. I love this, if you can see it uh, closely. It's a um, picture of bin Laden, and the experts agree that, um, that uh, he's either dead or alive. I'm, I'm not sure what the other choice is. Undead, I'm not sure. But the other cho- and then uh, you got this one. Uh, Brett Baer talks about, wasn't his fault, I'm sure. Uh, will high prices uh, cost your kids their education? Something like that. It, it, it evidently already has. And one of my favorites here is um, it was a man killed to death. So uh, I'm not sure how else you, you, you enter that spot. But it's hard. But you know what's really valuable in the news industry it really is eyewitness news. It really is someone that, said that was there. And so they give an eyewitness of what happened. And so they testify. In fact, in Scripture... Uh, scripture deals with eyewitness accounts. 
it's interesting as God's giving the law, and in several places, uh, the one I, I think of most is Deuteronomy 19.15. He says, a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Eyewitnesses are important. More eyewitnesses are better or more important. Eyewitness accounts. And so we value those. You see it on our news. Uh, they, they talk to the man on the street or the woman on the street and get the, the information firsthand. And they interview someone else and they collaborate the, uh, collaborate rather, rather the, uh, the information. Eyewitnesses are important. And this is what John is giving to us. He is giving an eyewitness account. And as we start to read, he doesn't say, it's just me, but let me tell you about the other eyewitnesses that give you the account that I'm going to give you. Now, he's writing to a people in churches that have been far flung from Jerusalem where he started. In fact, we do believe this is more toward what we think of Iran now, these series of churches he's writing to. And a lot of things are going on in the churches. And I want to give you the, the full background. That comes a little later in some messages. But there are people who are leaving the church who are saying things about Jesus like he really wasn't God. He really wasn't alive. He only seemed to be alive. And he really didn't die on the cross. Uh, it just was a figment of, of imagination. And so Paul is writing to these people who are really disillusioned. What's going on? Because here's what I've always thought I knew. And he's writing to people who, who now... Those who have been saying these things are leaving the church or say, come with us. In fact, if you know anything of philosophy, it's the early Gnosticism, kind of a, a higher knowledge, an experiential knowledge that, that it comes from a special revealing. And these people will probably morph into that later down the road. But people are leaving the church, and those who are staying in the church are like, what's going on? They're feeling a, a disjointedness and disconnectedness from the body. So John writes to these people, and he writes to them to, to reassure them that what they have been told from the apostles is the truth. And he has a message for them. And uh, if you look in this passage, there's four verses, two sentences in the Greek, okay? So the last verse four is a sentence by itself, and the other three verses, for one, two, three, are, are their own sentence. But if we break it down, he's going to say this message, I proclaim to you fellowship with God, and then in a minute, fellowship with each other. I or we, because notice here in the first verse, he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard. And you've got to understand that John is now putting himself with the other apostles, the other disciples who walked with Jesus. He said, this is the report that I'm giving. What I'm declaring to you, what I'm proclaiming to you, this is the report of eyewitnesses. Now maybe you felt in your life at some point a disjointedness or a lack of connection with those around you. Could be even the body of Christ. Could be even God himself. And so the eyewitness report this morning is for you and for me as well. Begin with verse, uh, verse 1 here. He says, What was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What was from the beginning. Now, there's two ways that you might look at this. You could, could think of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. 
But the writing of this seems to be a little different. He seems to be saying it's the, the beginning of the beginning of the of the gospel of what he saw as John the disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved. What is the beginning? He says this is the beginning and the reality of Christ's physical birth. It wasn't that he seemed to come down, he inhabited somebody else, but Christ, God himself, Jesus the Son of God, became man. Then you got to back up, because was this unknown to the Jews, John being a Jew? No, it was prophesied, Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you, from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. Days of eternity. Three, he will therefore give them, give them up until the time, he's giving up the, the, the holiness, the eternity, until the time when she who is in labor is born a child, the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. Verse 5 begins, this one will be our peace. Our peace. From the beginning, from the beginning of the world, the gospel plan was, was from God himself. It wasn't a, oops, what do I do now? God had planned this knowing, this foreknowledge that man would sin. Provided a way. Christ came. Christ foretold of this. And so we have now, who is from the beginning, what we have heard. And you think of being John and the disciples. In fact, anyone in the crowds that follow Jesus, as they're listening to the words. They're hearing those things. They're actually seeing with their eyes. And they're seeing the vis- visual. Yes, I see this one. But then we've looked at, we've gained understanding. The mind's eye was opened up. And they're, they're realizing, they're, they're looking, they're understanding. And then it was that, that physical. We've touched with our hands. We've worked together. We've walked together. We, we have been on a boat together. Well, Jesus was asleep and we were worrying because the, the winds and the storms. But then we saw him speak a word, peace be still. And the Sea of Galilee smoothed peace. And all was calm. We've looked at, we've touched, we've seen him. And let me tell you, John says, the witness is, this is the word of life. This is the one, the true God, the word of life. The word was made flesh, John writes in in the gospel 1 and verse 14. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. It was real. It wasn't a spirit. We touched him. We saw him. We heard him. He was real. I'm an eyewitness. We are eyewitnesses of that. He says, we have done all of this, and this one, we are telling you, is the word of life. The word of life. Verse 2, he continues, and the life was manifested, was revealed to us. It was revealed. God didn't hide himself. God revealed himself to not only the disciples, but those who walked with him. Even revealed himself to the Pharisees, even though they rejected. He revealed himself there. They saw who he was. How do I know they saw who he was? Because there were Jews of the Pharisees and Jews of, of, that, that rejected him, that realized that he said he was God. They heard his voice. They heard what he said. They heard his assertions that he was the I Am. 
And they took up stones to throw on several occasions. He was revealed. So we have seen, and we testify. This is his uh, legal word. This is, I'm coming before the court. Uh, I'm sworn in in our day, and I put my hand on the Bible, and I promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and I testify to you that this is the truth. And I proclaim to you, I report to you, John says, the eternal life, the eternal life that was in the Father was manifested to us in the Son. Now what, what words, what words that John could say? I proclaim to you eternal life. He didn't say it was in, not in the Father, but with the Father. Uh, quoting uh, Hebert here, but with is distinct from the Father, yet in communion and fellowship with the Father. God the Son there, full of eternal life, and this one was openly revealed, manifested to us. Let's step here and just take a, a theological term because this is what we think of as incarnation. Incarnation, a theological term, and it really means that God became flesh and he did so in the form of Jesus. God is Jesus. And we, we think of, of, the, of the doctrine of the incarnation and what Jesus has done, the, the doctrine of Christology and what Jesus has done in the incarnation. And we understand that he was fully God and fully man. He came. And that's the marvel. That's the marvel. God did not send another representative. He had sent prophets before, hadn't he? He did not send another representative. He sent himself. He himself went and revealed to us. He came, lived in the flesh. And because of that, and because of that, we have, we proclaim fellowship. It's interesting, this concept of God coming. And even the disciples understood this. Even the disciples in John 6, 68, um, well, Jesus says prior to that, because people are leaving, they're, they're, they're stopping to, to follow him in, in such crowds, and so you can all, all, almost see the, the thought in his mind if, let me use this as, a, as an opportunity for the disciples. He said, will you go away also? And Simon Peter says to him in, in 68, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. You are the eternal life. So John says, I am this one. I am writing. And we proclaim to you. And so he, he comes to his point, to the main verb here, which is proclaim. He says, and what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. What we've seen, we've heard, we've, we've witnessed all these things. We are telling you, we're, we're proclaiming to you so for a reason. So that you too may have fellowship with us and with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What we have seen is an eyewitness. We are saying, so that you might have fellowship with God. We've looked at this word already this year. But just to remind us, the first three messages were on this word. The Greek word is koinonia. The word that we often have, have uh, rendered for us in translations is fellowship. Now we said also there are other aspects of this word that we think of. It's, it's sharing. Sometimes it's tra- translated sharing. Sometimes it's translated uh, a participation. This fellowship of participating, sometimes it's contribution. Um, they made it, they, they, there was a famine in Jerusalem, and in the New Testament talk about a contribution, a fellowship of sharing. 
as they give money to those who are, who are without food in Jerusalem. And so we have this idea, a fellowship of sharing, a participation, but look what we have it in. Let's, let's take the most important part first. We have this fellowship in God. In God the Father. And that is the amazing part about this whole first passage, the first four verses, is that we have fellowship with God. We who are sinful, we who are rebels, we who have run from God, we may now have fellowship, a sharing, a participation in God the Father himself. So wait a second. Nobody can reach God. Nobody can reach God. And that's why Jesus came. And with his son, Jesus Christ. See, the beauty of what John is saying here, the reassuring thing of what John is is giving us in our day, is that because of Jesus, we now have fellowship with God. He says, I proclaim fellowship to you with God. With God and with other believers. And, and, and with us too, he says in verse 3. You may too also have fellowship with us. And suddenly you see that because of the work of Christ and the life of a believer, and salvation comes, we have, we have fellowship. This connectedness, this belonging, this sharing together with the very God himself and with other people who know God. No more estrangement, separation from God. No more estrangement, separation from other people because of Christ. We now have fellowship. And look at what he's done here. He shows us. Yes, there is fellowship. You have fellowship here. But look at the aspects of it. There's a vertical aspect of with God. That vertical aspect of that is only through Christ. It's only through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a horizontal aspect that we have with other people who know Christ. Those who have been bought by Christ's blood, we have that participation. We have that sharing. There's a connectedness and there's the belonging of family through Christ. This this fellowship is only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. It's the only way. I cannot work my way there. I cannot think my way there. I cannot beat my way there. Some cultures, self-flagellations. If I just make myself have enough pain, then, then God will feel sorry for me. No. That's not what happens. Fellowship is only through Jesus. And so he says, I write these things. We write the eyewitnesses so that our joy may be made complete. And it's interesting because the, the manuscripts go almost evenly split between your joy and our joy. So we go back. But in the, in the theme of what John is writing is, it is your joy is complete and our joy as believers is complete. He said, this is why I'm writing that you may know that you have fellowship with God. You may know that you have fellowship with other believers, and it is only through Christ, and He has made that way for you. And so there is joy, joy in knowing the fellowship 
with God and other, ple- other people. I proclaim these things to you. There's joy in salvation. There's joy in fellowship with God. There are times that we're going to be estranged from people for whatever reason. We have a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. We who are in Christ may have fellowship in Him. We may have joy in Him. And He brings together the fellowship of others. This is what John writes as an eyewitness. And for the more cynical among us, you may be saying now, so, so what? So what does this mean for me? Why should I care? Well, I think if you're here today, you do not know Jesus as your Savior. That, that is, it's, it has great hope for you. Because Jesus, God himself, became flesh to pay our sin debt. Jesus went to the cross. He endured the pain. If you follow and trace what God is doing in the Old Testament as he's setting up a law and an atonement and the realization that we as humans can never be righteous before God, we cannot be right enough. And so there was the the, the animal sacrifices to our minds are almost barbaric, but we understand that when I sinned, someone paid the price. An animal died because of my sin, and that all pointed to the righteous, pure Lamb of God who would come and die upon the cross. And He came real. He had to be real flesh. He had to be sinless as a human to be the perfect sacrifice. And so He did that you might have Redemption from sin. Free us. He ransomed us from the chains that were binding us of a sin. So the joy for you today would be to know Jesus as your Savior. To realize there is no other way for you to reach God, but only through Jesus. That's the joy of knowing today for you. If you're here as a believer... Know also that you, through Jesus, may have fellowship with God. Now I understand that at times when we allow sin, we, we entertain sin in our lives, there's going to be a, a momentary separation of fellowship, but not eternal separation of fellowship. John will go later on and says, okay, if you are continually practicing sin, that's you, you are, you're habitually practicing sin, then you probably didn't know God in the first place, didn't know Jesus in the first place. But for us who know Christ, we may have fellowship with Him. And so we, we live holy and righteously, not to earn something, but so that we do not break that fellowship because we desire the fellowship with God. And we can be in a room lonely in a crowd of people and know that our God loves us and cares for us and our fellowship is with him and he strengthens and fortifies us. This is fellowship with God. 
how else would disciples speak of a Christ risen from the dead? They were eyewitnesses to his body in the grave and now no longer in the grave. He, is, he had risen. Had they lied about it? Had they lied about it, they would not have maintained this eyewitness account. And as they lived their lives, as we see Christians living lives throughout the centuries, often in persecution for their faith in Christ, they are sustained by the fellowship they have with God. So for you who know Christ, it is the joy of knowing fellowship with God. The joy of knowing that he loves you and cares for you. But thirdly, you may now enjoy the fellowship of other believers. So I I don't always have good results with that. Because we are sinful. You, me, all of us. But you see, and we will see as we, we kind of go through the rest of, of 1 John, we'll see that the fellowship with believers is important. That interconnectedness, and he calls on us to love one another. And the joy that we have from God, but also the joy that we have in knowing that we have fellowship with other believers propels us and our love for others. We don't always see love reciprocated. But he tells us to love others. And that fellowship is through Jesus. We have a common bond. How else could Jews converted to Christ, Jesus as the Messiah, how else could pagans worshiping many gods now converted to Jesus, totally disparate backgrounds now come and commune and to be together in one church? Those who hated others, each other now are one through Christ. We may have fellowship. This morning, you and I may know the joy of fellowship with God, with other believers. And we know it because of the eyewitness account of the disciples and of John. So my question for you this morning is how will we respond? How will you respond to God's word this morning? Stacy, what is there for me to do? Well, it could be that you need Christ to work in your heart in salvation. It could be that the fellowship has been broken by sin and you need to go on, as the later verses say, and confess, receive forgiveness. It could be that we restore fellowship in the body of Christ. Maybe there's a word that you've said that's not been good or maybe been said to you and just go to the brother and sister and say, hey, I love you. Let's work this out. Because the fellowship with God and with each other is too important to let it go. But most of all, this morning, there's a joy in knowing who our God is and what he has provided for us. So how will you respond? What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, 
and the life was manifested. And we have seen and we have testified to you and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be full. Is your joy full this morning? How will you respond to the joy of knowing the fullness of joy? Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, I thank you for your word. This morning, in four verses, we've seen the scope of the gospel from an eyewitness, from one who was there, from the one who stood by the cross, from the one who, who, Lord, you said to take care of of Mary, of the one who loved you as, as very few others loved. So God, I thank you for your word. And may we not ignore an eyewitness account from multiple eyewitnesses of the love of Jesus. Lord, may we indeed have fellowship. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that you'd work in that heart. Draw them to yourself. May they see that rest is in Jesus. For the believer that is struggling with reassurance of the fellowship they have with God, would you put your arms around them, as it were, comfort them, show them where you have been in their lives that they may have ignored. And Father, we who know you, may we enjoy the fellowship with other believers. May we seek their good, their growth. May we show grace and mercy to your glory. Which in Christ I pray. Amen. Head bowed, eyes